The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Katie Mox and Will Brinson here, joined by our Pick Show squad, Alex Selznick, a.k.a. Prop Stars, and Emery Hunt, also known as the czar of the playbook of Sportsline. On the last episode, the Super Friends dug into week six of the NFL season. Breach, Wilson, and Brinson broke down the undefeated team's upsets and declared Joe Burrow is back. Probably. Uh, first things first. Yeah. What? He's what back. He's back. He's back. He's, he's like 100%. Probably. They got their bye week. He's great. They're good to go. I mean, did he have that great of a game? Whatever. He, 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 ran, he, he looks spry. He ran around. That's the important thing. Okay, fine. He looks spry and he ran around, but the Eagles, or excuse me, the uh, Seahawks pass defense got the best of him uh, more than a few times. You got, y'all, if y'all want to debate this even further, you can watch the episode on our YouTube channel or the audio version wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, feel free to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss another episode time now to look at early lines and leans for week seven of the nfl i have to say though dom in the chat is already trolling he says kelly you owe me 75 dollars for the san francisco 49ers team total over bet i made dom i'm sorry that you hopped on it in week six you would have been cashing for the last five weeks and if you did just hop on i'm worried that you are a mush here and uh, please don't back the 49ers again also humble brag 75 dollar unit bet we see you dom we see yeah. you um all right so let's look at some of these macro trends from week six the favorites and home teams won the day eh, maybe a little bit boring when that happens no big underdog wins it's another week heavily to the wait, what? under what wait but wait we had dog wins dogs won well some dogs won but week six favorites and home teams won the day for the most part. Yeah. Okay. Over macro. We're talking macro trends. I know. I know. But I'm saying like, like the, like the, I mean, I'm just saying the Browns and the Jets both won with backup quarterbacks. Right, huge no, underdogs. At home. All right. Fine. Fair. Yeah. Fair. But there was like no big, huge underdog wins, but it, okay. Fair. The Browns. Fine. Just let's talk about the Browns and the 49ers uh, loss again. Yes. And you're right. The Jets was pr a pretty big underdog win. So fair. Brinson. Chalk, chalk, chalk ruled the day in terms of the, the favorites, but the under the unders is the crazy thing to me. Yeah. Like two and ten? Yeesh. Not a lot of points. Any thoughts on that from uh, you, Emery? You're looking real excited to be here today. I'm always amped to be here, man. It's, just <laughs> a, great, it's a great Monday. Um, nah, it's, it's just like there's a lot of uh, quarterbacks holding back their offenses, which yeah. explains why we see a lot of lack of points uh, coming from these NFL teams. I also think, too, that um, it's worth noting we had Chicago at Chicago, at Cincinnati, at Cleveland. So you got the Bengals, so you have the, so you have the Vikings and the Bears, Seahawks and the Bengals, Niners, and then the Browns have their backup quarterback, right? That's like five, like six, five, five offenses that are like upper echelon in terms of how they perform on offense. All three of those were pretty bad weather games. Right, because you have like the Chicago and Cincinnati, just nasty, just like not not like really bad, just like kind of gross weather. Um, all three end up being one score games. 
and being a little bit more defensive based and more conservative than you might normally expect. And so I think like that's kind of matchup based where you see less scoring. And then with like the, the Eagles and the Jets, the, the Eagles came out and scored on two of the first three drives, except on that third drive, Lane Johnson got hurt. And like the, I talked about this on the um on the Sunday night recap pod. And I don't know why, like Ryan Wilson was being such a grumpster, but he's like, it's like nobody wanted to like embrace this thing that I was talking about. Dude, Lane Johnson matters for the Eagles. You go and look at Carson Wentz's splits with and without Lane Johnson, and they are dramatic. The Eagles did not score. They scored on the drive. He got hurt like six plays after he got hurt. But prop stars, you're an Eagles guy. Like, like they didn't score a single point on their final seven possessions. Like, so I sort of wonder if like the over under thing is more circumstantial than it is like, uh, you know, like, like defenses are locking people down, or maybe maybe it's the quarterbacks too. You know, yeah, massive impact can't be understated enough. Brinson Lane Johnson, just a key cog for that Eagles offensive line. Obviously, it's one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. It has been for the past decade, nearly. Uh, Jason Kelsey certainly gets a lot of attention, but Lane Johnson, in my opinion, and I probably a lot of people's opinion, especially Eagles fans, probably a first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, still playing at a super high level, saw a noticeable. Uh, drop off with the Eagles offense, especially running the football uh, as soon as Lane Johnson went down. So even with the Eagles having solid depth at their offensive line, uh, certainly made a big impact in the game. And just as far as the lack of scoring this week, looking ahead into week seven, I was actually surprised. I can't remember the last time I saw so many games with a 40 point total or under. So it could be another low scoring week ahead. A lot of injuries too. A lot of injuries across the board to like playmakers. And that just ruins the whole viewing experience for what we expect because we come into this season expecting, you know, Oh, they're going to have these guys, these guys, these guys. And then two of the third, two thirds of them get hurt. It's like, man, okay, this week they're out. Like look at the Rams, you know, we'll talk about that later, but yeah, you, you have a guy that you're excited about. Then boom, he's out. It's like, yeah. do y'all yeah, feel like I mean, there's... sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, no, you asked your question first. Well, no, I was, I was going to say like, I'm just looking at um, in terms of like the top 10 teams in, in yards per play. Uh, Broncos at five and a half uh, are ninth, and the Chiefs at five point seven are six. So, like those two teams played on Thursday, right? You have the Chargers and the the Cowboys who play on Monday night tonight. So it's like you're taking away four, and the, and the Chargers are fourth in terms of yards per play, and the Cowboys are actually much lower than I would have expected. Their offense hadn't been that great. They're like at four point nine. The point being is like I I do think that this under situation may be more circumstantial to what quarterbacks got hurt, what teams were playing in questionable weather spots, and then, like, what teams were on these isolated Monday and Thursday games. Um, and then you have the Bills just kind of laying an egg. <laughs> Still one, but barely. Uh, but curious, do y'all think that there are more injuries this year, or do we just say this every single year? Or does this feel like – I just – I mean, every week there are some, like, huge star players going down. Emery, what do you think? I have a whole dissertation I can speak about these injuries. And I, I, but you know, it's, I think you go back to equipment, you go back to then overtraining, you go back to now supplements, and then you go to uh, the lack of padded practices that these guys have from equipment all the way down is why we're seeing what we're seeing now. And, and that's the shortest, that's like a, a shouldn't the equipment be better with better technology. So yeah. you think, right? But imagine this. Imagine if I told you we're going to make the equipment lighter so that yeah. way everybody can be faster. Okay, great. That sounds wow. fantastic. Now you have everybody that's bigger, stronger, faster because they work out all the time and they, they're wearing lighter equipment. Collisions. Everybody's getting knocked out. We used yeah. to see maybe one dude a season get knocked out from like a concussion, right? Now you see one every game. Right. So. Yeah. The, 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 the athletes got faster and stronger. And in order to like modify to that, like the equipment makers like Nike, I mean, that's why you know they shifted to fly knit and stuff like that. They wanted to have thinner, lighter equipment. Um, guys don't want to wear all the pads. You know, it's, uh, I was watching, um, it's like today in sports clips or something, sent out a, uh, it was a, uh, it was Marino versus Peyton Manning in like 99 or 2000. Cool. It's like, one, it's like just absolute football porn because these two dudes, like <laughs> Pey- Peyton, Peyton's like mobile. And I mean, like they both just like, are, you know, I mean, Marino, just an incredible arm. But like, I think people forget just how good and live Peyton's arm was too. But you're, you're watching and then like Peyton comes jogging back on the field. And you're like, like, it, like, like, it's like this face mask, right? Like, that's like, like, that's what like they're like, that's what they got going on there. Oh God, I was about to knock that over. But you know, it's like, it's like the old, it's like a, the two bar 
the technology has just advanced so much that it's you're able to be faster and stronger and hit harder. And I also think the NFL owners with this the field turf thing, that's a thing, man. They yeah. refuse to change it because they don't want to like give up the extra revenue they get from putting concerts on their fields. Disgusting. And I, I think Albert Breer wrote about this in the MMQB, but there's there were six teams last year who had the really tight field turf. And now they, there's three that got rid of them. Um, but uh, it was Nick Bosa was talking about the MetLife. Remember when he tore his ACL at MetLife? He said yeah. that they ran over that thing with a cement roller twice after that game because it was so soft they had to harden it up. It's just like there's just a lot of people making business decisions for reasons other than player safety. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like it's going to slow down anytime soon. Um, so we're going to have to deal with this every single year. All right, fellas, let's move on and give the people what they came here for and look at some early leans for week seven of the NFL, starting with the Jags at the Saints. Uh, line is virtually a pick -em. Yep, still one. Jags are laying one. This total, 40 and a half. These are... Two teams headed in different directions. I mean, the Jags are trending upward after a rough start to the season. The Saints have lost three of their last four games. To me, I think you got to keep playing Saints unders here because outside of the Patriots game, when they had an offensive explosion, they've struggled with their offense pretty much every other game. And I think every game has gone actually below 40. So I lean to the under here. Um, but Emery, you're looking at Derek Carr in this uh, in this matchup. Well, and just just, just, about to, just, re just really quickly, I would note that Trevor Lawrence has a knee injury. So like, oh, we don't sure. know if Trevor Lawrence is definitely going to play in this game. It sounds like Doug Peterson called him day-to-day, -day, I believe, and it sounds like he should be able to play. And I've heard a little buzz out there that he should be fine. But, like, that's why the Saints are favored here. Um, and, and yeah, Derek – I mean, I know – go drag Derek Carr. I mean, I'm here for it. It's <laughs> <laughs> just because – you're right. You might get C.J. Beathard in this ball game, which is why the Saints are favored. But even in that sense, man – like Derek Carr, I listen. I, I I know he's Southern Baptist Kirk Cousins, but you got to look at you know <laughs> the fact that this this guy clearly is just stuck in the pocket, and so when you have that lack of awareness, you make the offensive line look worse than it is. We saw this play out last night with the Giants and Bills. Same off, probably a worse offensive line out there with all the pieces and moving parts, but you didn't hear much about the offensive line because Tyrod Taylor's getting out the way. Right. And so if Carr just gets out the way, the offense can open up and he's just not as as accurate down the field. So until they play Jameis Winston and really open up their offense, I'm like you, Katie, it's going to be under city for any Saints game uh, they play because their defense is top 10. And props is going to say Chris Olave. One guy I would implore you guys not to take an under on is Chris Olave. If you recall, <laughs> on the Thursday show, I actually mentioned, barring his practice participation, if he was able to get in a full practice on Friday, then I would have a lot of confidence playing Chris Olave. Uh, yeah, and he ended up close to triple digits receiving yards. I agree with Emery. Carr is holding back this offense. Really uh, no th real threat of downfield passing game. Uh, I think uh, Shahid is a very good receiver that would really benefit from Jameis Winston. I also think Olave would as well, but definitely think Olave uh, can still produce uh, in spite of Carr. One guy I wanted to point out who's been absolutely balling is Travis Etienne. Yep. Four touchdowns over his last 44 touches, making a huge impact as a receiver as well. He's averaging close to 40 receiving yards over the last four games. So definitely making a big impact in uh, Jacksonville's backfield. Trevor Lawrence is healthy. That offense is definitely looking like they're headed in the right direction and upward arrow for sure. Yeah, I think coming back from um, London, two weeks in London, and you adjust and you come back and you drop 37 points on a, a decent Colts defense and you snuff out the Gardner Minshew revenge game, pick him off three times. Jaguars defense playing a lot better. Uh, Doug Peterson noted, um, too, I think this is on SI.com, but um, pointed out that, you know, when they – uh, they got embarrassed and we, was it week three against Houston or was it week? Uh, sorry, I'm trying to think what week the Jaguars got embarrassed. They got embarrassed. I'll tell you that much. Uh, but the, the, you know, the Jaguars bounced back in a big way, won those two games in London handily beat the Falcons. Then you take care of the bills and I'm sure the bills came over on that late schedule, but to like, all of a sudden you come back to you, the, the America, uh, the America, you come back, you come back stateside. <laughs> Welcome to the America. You come back stateside and you throttle a division opponent after two weeks in London. 
it feels like really good momentum for the Jags. And I think the under is a great look here because we're talking, you know, short week, Saints, a little conservative on offense. I don't think we'll see, uh, you know, Kamara's going to have nine catches for 22 yards, et cetera, et cetera. I like the under as well. Nine catches. I still can't get over that. I know. Uh, moving on to the Browns and the Colts. Speaking of those Colts, total switch over and under 39 and a half. Gross. Browns open as two and a half point favorites. Colts getting a little juice. Um, Jim Schwartz's defense coming off a fantastic performance against San Francisco and now gets to go up against. Ooh, uh, is this a revenge machine? Steichen and Jim Schwartz coach he's put together with the Eagles, right? At some point, I would think. Um, probably. So they know each other pretty well. You see the under is uh, is getting some action here. It's in the dome, of course, so we won't have to worry about weather. But if – I mean, I would think Deshaun Watson's going to be back for this game. But everything I keep reading and everything Kevin Stefanski keeps saying, there's a ro- it's a rotator cuff injury, and Watson is the one making the calls, Emery, on whether or not he's going to play. Like, he's been cleared by the training staff. He's like, nah, I don't think I'm playing this week two weeks in a row. Does that raise some red flags for you with the, with the Browns' long-term future? No way. Um, and, and also, before I get into the game, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up about Watson's shoulder because we have to understand the difference between medically cleared and yes, able to play. explain that. Because I was medically cleared from the ACL about eight months after surgery and, and rehab. I didn't feel comfortable going out there. I'm like, man, what if I tell my ACL again, right? Doctor's like, nah, you're good to go. Now, I don't believe you doctors with all these medical experiences, right? But that's the difference. Like, you go when you're healthy enough or when you feel comfortable. If he's telling you, as a guy who's throwing the ball with that right arm, I don't feel right that he doesn't feel right. But we know everyone wants to dunk on uh, Deshaun Watson for you know for for whatever reasons. And but this is not the the, the hill to die on. Meta cleared and ready to play are two different things. Now, in terms of this game, it has nothing to do with Browns' offense. This is Browns' defense versus Gardner Minshew. Take the Browns' defense, take the under, lay these points with Cleveland, and go on about your Sunday. Hear, hear me out on, on the over here, potentially. The, <laughs> the game with the 49ers and the Browns was extremely physical. I mean, these teams beat up 25 on penalties, too. 25, yeah, 25 penalties. And yeah, I mean, it was very chippy. It was an emotional win. You could see every time they tackled Christian McCaffrey, it's like they sacked the quarterback or they got a safety or something. Like they were, this was an emotional win for the Browns. And PJ Walker, by the way, 5-0 and in his NFL career. I mean, he's pretty good um, himself. But I don't know. I think this defense may let off the gas a little bit um, with the Colts here. And I don't know, they get a little frisky. Here, let me push back a little bit, Katie, because the reason why is because for a defense, this is a stat patent game. You got Gardner Minshew out there. Mm-hmm. It's it's like fumbles waiting to happen. There's some how many intercepts Jags could have? They could have had nine, but they caught three of them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but also, that was a that was a bad game for Gardner Minshew. I mean, we've seen him play better. Uh, you know, he got caught in I, his revenge game. Didn't work out. I'm just saying. I think I feel like I feel like Minshew like. Always plays well when the starter gets hurt and he has to like jump in and like with yes, no like prep or whatever. Up. And we're all like, Minshew Mania's back. And then all of a sudden it's like he starts a couple of games. You're like, this guy's not good. Like, why did John Breach want to trade a third round pick for him? He's not very good. Like, and I think too, if you're the Colts, man, this is one where it's like we might find out this week that Anthony Richardson's having surgery and is done for the year, which means you're shutting him down, which means you're rolling with Minshew. So you get a bad game against Jacksonville, then you get a bad game against Cleveland, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, it just sort of snowballs out of control. And next thing you know, Jeff Saturday's taking over, and it's just a weird scene. <laughs> yeah, my AFC South Championship ticket out the window now if he, yeah. if he has to get surgery. It's out the window. I mean, Gardner Minshew beat the Colts in week one in 2020, and then the Jaguars didn't win another game that year. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, he, he, yeah, he, I, I think this could be. I'm not saying I'm taking it. I'm just going to, I'm going to watch this total and see what it does. Cause I think this could, this has the makings of a little bit of a trap spot. Okay. No other thoughts on this game? No, move no, along. All right, moving on to the Commanders and the Giants is another really close another uh, spread. And getting low total, one and a half. Uh, Washington is favored. Total 40 and a half. We're seeing a lot of these very, very low totals. Uh, the commanders are three and three, and the Giants are one and five in virtually every uh, betting category that there is. The Giants had some WTF 
play calling uh, last night in their loss to the Bills, and they're dealing with a ton of injuries themselves. But Saquon Barkley, definitely a bright spot. Having him back in the lineup has been he amazing. Looks skinny. Does he? he look skinny? Do you? I thought he looked like much like slimmer in the upper torso area. Hmm. I didn't know. Not like, not, like, not like he was fat before. Like if somebody yeah. tells me I well, look his, skinny, it's like, was I fat? Yeah. No, he just he just looked like he he just looked like he was like more svelte here. Like his I don't know, he looked like a smaller running back, I thought. Well, according to Emory, I think that's probably better for him. Yeah, um, I agree. But you know, 24 carries, 93 yards last night against a pretty tough um, Bills defense. When you look at their head-to-head matchups in the last 10 since 2018, Giants six three and one straight up, three and seven against the spread. The over three six and one, uh, but the Giants covered both of those teams as underdogs. I'm not sure the Giants team is a frisky underdog team, or actually, I'm, I'm positive that they are not, um, like they were last season. But Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Emery, did you think that he moved the ball better than Daniel Jones has? Yeah, because the offense at least looked watchable last night. Even though they didn't score touchdowns, they at least was productive enough to where they moved the ball up and down the field. And Saquon, I I, I didn't want to tweet it out while the game was going on, but you and I'm glad they brought it up later in the broadcast, but you could tell he was medically cleared to play, but still didn't feel comfortable because he wasn't cutting last night. Everything was straight north and south. Like you could tell, a regular healthy Saquon would have jitterbugged his way out of a few of those jams he was in. Um, but this is the game I would stay away from because this is one of those. Ron Rivera is three, three, and one against the Giants as the coach of the Commanders of any iteration of a head coach. This is the one game the Giants tend to play well. The one team the Giants play well, and we don't know which quarterback is going to be out there because if it's Tyrod, then who knows? If it's Daniel Jones, is the offensive line going to be bad again? So I, I would stay away from it. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> regarding Saquon Barkley, didn't really ease him back into the game. Uh, certainly not getting that Jonathan Taylor treatment, handling 29 touches in his first game back. Uh, Giants offense does look completely different with him in the backfield, though. So I definitely obviously think that's a big boost to them. Uh, as far as the commanders are concerned, I, I continue to be impressed with Sam Howell uh, didn't yeah. have a big game as far as the stat sheet is concerned, but didn't make critical mistakes in the game. He's still getting sacked a ton. I believe he was sacked five times on pace to be sacked 96 times this season. My biggest concern or question with this commander's offense, though, uh, what's happened to Jahan Dotson? I really thought Jahan Dotson had a lot of breakout uh viability coming into the season. Hasn't eclipsed 40 yards once. Uh, despite like a nearly 100% route participation and then just had a complete goose egg yesterday, zero catches. So his season is certainly bottoming out. I had high expectations on Jahan Dotson. Uh, curious of Emery, have you seen anything uh, regarding Dotson that's made you uh, you know, have an opinion with what's happening with him? I think we've seen the enemy be more, on, be more locked into spread the ball around whoever's open gets the ball instead of calling specific plays for specific players. Um, and it's tough because in order to call these specific shot plays, you got to get certain looks and you got to yeah, get some protection too. Exactly. That's the other part. <laughs> yeah. Like we see Sam Howell, you know, get banged up a lot back there in the so pocket. I was like, please don't, please don't run anything vertical. I'm down right. back here. So it takes time, but it takes time and it, you know, so, Hey man, whoever you see open, that's the primary target. So I think, is uh, I would say keep the faith, but I know fantasy is hard to, to do that because it's about targets and it's about catches. But yeah, that's it's more along the lines of we can't block long enough to get him deep down the field. Well, and I think Curtis Samuel coming back and getting involved more takes away some targets from him. And then you know there was that uh, they the week before with the Commanders they when they got blown out by the Bears. That uh, feels like 42 years ago. Um, you know, they, they lost three straight games. They get blown up by the Bears. Terry McLaurin hadn't done much of anything. And so you see 11 targets this week. That was a clear, like, squeaky wheel game. Like, we're getting Terry involved. Um, I, worth noting, man, this week, because the next game we'll bring up, I mean, what are these totals we talked about here? So 40 and a half, 39 and a half, 40. Unders go, unders go 10 and 2. And you look at the overcorrection from the market here. 40 and a half for Commanders and Giants and Falcons and Buccaneers. Total of 39 and a half. And a very viable 39 and a half. I would not want to take this over. Um, it's going to be in Tampa. You know, it's kind of a slower, uh, sort of grassy type of field, I think. where you, And Todd Bowles is not going to play up tempo. Arthur Smith, not going to play up tempo. You see this under his juice, minus 115 to 39 and a half on FanDuel. Bucks, minus two and a half. Um, 
Man, I'd love to get a three with Atlanta here. I, I, I would probably lean towards taking the under if I was going to take anything in this spot. Um, I, I don't I don't think either coach is going to rev up the offense in this in this one. Neither team is going to be able to run. Both teams are really good at stopping the run. Um, the Falcons are going to try to run, and they won't be able. Actually, I think I'd probably take the Bucks here because you got Desmond Ritter on the road outdoors with a complete inability to run. You saw what the Lions couldn't do against Vitavea. I mean, this is a this is maybe a bad spot for the Falcons. I will say this is to help your, you out, Will. This is simple. Ty Bowles is a greater coach, a better coach than Arthur Smith. And the reason why is because Ty Bowles is delegating his defensive calls to his defensive coordinator in Casey Rogers and Larry Foote, right? Arthur Smith is trying to do it all. And mm. we said this before on the show. If you are only rare if you're able to manage a game and call a game, it's clear that he can't manage a game and also call a game. The biggest gap was the when they were inside the two-yard line, they took the delay of game penalty because they couldn't get a play in. Well, how could you not know that? Well, you're too locked into trying to call a play and forget the, the play clock and forget you yeah. got to communicate with your quarterback. He's a young guy, so he's not going to just buck you and call his own plays. We see veterans not able to do that. Um, and so I just feel like just from a game management standpoint, coupled with what you talked about in terms of how these teams match up, I'm taking the bucks here. Do want to point out Desmond Ritter has had back-to-back 300-yard passing games. Certainly, won the Millie Baker on DraftKings this week. There we wow. go. Yeah, he's made some strides uh, throwing the football, three turnovers or three interceptions as well. But uh, certainly good for the prospects of Drake London, who had a career-best game, 11 targets, 125 yards. Kyle Pitts also coming to life, uh, coming to life a bit Finally. in that offense. Finally, right? But what's funny is that they can't run the ball. A team that was one of the more effective teams running the ball last season. Then you add Bijan Robinson to the backfield, and they continue to struggle on the ground. The one thing sort of saving Bijan uh, from a fantasy perspective, at least, is he's running a ton of routes. He ran 45 routes uh, yesterday, which is the second most of any running back this season. So wow, it's being cool. heavily utilized as a pass catcher, at least. Uh, Tyler Algier is still getting a lot of the early down work there as well. But hopefully this can – I don't know if this is the spot for the Bijan breakout, but, mm. yeah, it, it's uh, not exactly going as I think a lot of Falcons fans and Bijan backers had hoped for. That is true. All right. Uh, we have another sloppy turtle coming up next. This time in the AFC East, we will tell you about it coming up after the break. Next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Breaking news. The Patriots stink. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I might. Um, I'd rather ride a bull, maybe in the in the commercial that we just saw. Yeah, I'd rather ride a bull than be a Patriots fan. That's for sure. Uh, Bills minus nine here in New England. Again, another really low total, forty-two and a half. Uh, I think there's only two totals that are higher than forty-five that we'll be discussing um, this week. I have to. I can't remember if we're missing because I mean, we had a bunch of teams on by. Yeah, there's like. I mean, it's partially the matchups. It's partially the overreaction to a bunch of unders hitting. Um, but look, this is uh, – the Patriots are toast, man. They got the Bills and the Dolphins on deck. Like, they're bad. They can't run the football. They can't pass the football. They can't stop the run. And they can't rush the passer because they're all banged up and injured. They can't really stop the pass. <laughs> There's not a whole lot they can do. And quite frankly, nine points. Laying nine points in New England in a divisional game like, tell somebody in 2017 that's happening, and they won't believe you. 
But you know what? Like Sean McDermott and Josh Allen have kicked Bill Belichick's ass the last three years, and they do not mind running the running the score up on the Pats. You you come over, you come with this at home, yeah, in New England, just like embarrassing them. They Sean McDermott will run up a score on a divisional opponent. Um, I lean towards the Patriots here. They can't cover. They can't yeah. win. What? You, you I mean, lean towards the, the, the Bills. The Bills. I was going to say, well, it's been three weeks now that we've been leaning towards the Patriots. Actually, I um. Uh, yeah, there may be an intervention of the Patriots for me. It's coming. Like, <laughs> like I, I, was I, I wasn't going to let you do it. I wasn't going to let you do it. Time to shine. And shine was like, Bridget, you know you picked the Patriots every week. Please tell me you're not doing it again. I was like, okay, I'm doing it again. I'm done. They're definitely going to cover this week against the Bills because of that. Um, I wouldn't want to touch this under, though, I don't think, Henry, because the, the Bills might score 45 themselves. You know who got the easiest job this week? Sean McDermott. Yeah. The coach. Why? Because, guys. We were supposed to blow out the Giants. And look what happened. You know, so you guys got to focus. You guys got to get it in. You guys got to. So now the message is easy to say. They're going to take this week serious. They're going to come in extra prepared. They're not going to overlook the Patriots. And they're going to beat the brakes off New England in this ball game. So lay these nine with the Bills. God, Bill Belichick just must be so miserable these days. Uh, uh, did you? By the way, did you guys see the Teddy Bruschi thing on um, Get Up? I'm just kidding. They got rid of the exclamation points. So I shouldn't make fun of it anymore. Um, you know, it used to be called, it was, be called, it was called get up with an exclamation point. It's like, why are you yelling at me? It's the first thing in the morning. Like, I don't what want to like, get up. Get up. Get up. It's like, just you know, get you're, up. you're taking it that they're yelling at you. It's just like, I, they got I, rid of the ex. I, I, I made fun of this for like two years. And they, I, I'm not saying I'm the one who caused me to get rid of it, but they got rid of the exclamation point, And now huh. it's like, get up. It's not, yeah. Which is way better. Um, but Bruski was on there and he was like, he's like, Bill Belichick for years has been coaching. He was coaching to win Super Bowls, to win divisional titles. And now it's like, and I'm not saying that this is what Belichick's doing, but I thought it was interesting from a former player and somebody who's in the Patriots, like ring of honor. He said, Belichick's coaching to break Don Shula's record. Like, would he still be coaching this team if he already had Don Shula's record in the bag? I don't know. And that's, that's not like a really Patriots like motivation, which is certainly concerning. Um, he's been trying to get 300 wins for five weeks now, and it hasn't happened. And I don't think it's, I, I'm telling you, the Bills do not want to give it to him. Man, the Bills, no. might, Bills might win this by 30. Yeah. Sorry, done. No, I, I agree. Um, all right, let's move on to another team. A few, few other teams that we're not excited to talk about. The Raiders are field goal favorites over the Bears. That line has stayed the same. This total 37. Is this the lowest total we've seen so far? 37 and a half. I'm telling you, uh, these totals are crazy, dude. Yeah. Oof. Uh, eight and eight tie in uh, in the series matchups that got underway in 1972. Both quarterbacks are injured. Jimmy Garoppolo was taken to the hospital via an ambulance um, this weekend Just, in Las Vegas. Justin Fields is doubtful. Doubtful with his thumb, right? Dislocated, he dislocated thumb, I think, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting about who the Raiders are going to put in at quarterback. I think the fans and everybody else wants Aiden O'Connell to get the shot, but I feel like we're probably going to see Hoyer um, again. This is one where I think even though it's really low, I still lean towards the under. The Raiders are 1-5 and five to the under this season. The only week that they went over was week two, and that was against the Bills when the Bills dropped 38 points on them. So that's probably a big reason why this happened. I don't think that uh, the Bears are going to drop 38 points on them. So even though it's really, really low, both of these offenses have struggled. So I lean to the under. Emery, any uh, scouting thoughts here? It's going to be like preseason week two. You're going to get – Hoyer slash O'Connell versus Tyler Bajan. Like, yeah. And good luck trying to predict what offense will look like now. To Hoyer's credit, credit came in and hit a deep ball right off the bat, right? And um, it's like, wow, okay, Hoyer's ready. And did absolutely nothing the rest of the game. So it's just going to be uh, an ugly watch. I, I would completely and totally stay away from this. Good uniform. <laughs> actually, 55. No rain, little wind in Chicago. Just going to be kind of, kind of nasty, you know, fall Chicago weather. Um, well, fifty-five is not nasty. It's not nasty. It's like I mean, it's, I mean, it's gonna be, it, it could get nasty in Chicago. It can get, it's not going to be nasty. It's just going to be like I'm just saying, it's like not you ideal know, weather. You ain't in Vegas anymore, like Dorothy. You know, like <laughs> um, as there's a Wizard of Oz reference. I don't know. Props, Devontae Adams, probably the, one of the only bright spots uh, that's happened on, on the Raiders right now. 
It's yeah, he's struggled. He's struggled the last two games, Katie. I don't know if the shoulder, uh, he's had a shoulder injury, probably operating less than 100%. But yeah, two of the worst games of uh, recent memory for Devontae Adams. Probably had the Bill Belichick treatment last week. Uh, it seems like a distant memory from when Devontae Adams was just absolutely dominating that Steelers defense on prime time. But in theory, this should be a spot uh, he could potentially get back on track here, regardless of who's playing quarterback. But it's really been Jacoby Myers has been the engine of uh, the Raiders passing attack. We've also seen the rookie tight end mayor start to make more of an impact as well. But definitely think we'll be getting a big discount on Devontae Adams prop line. So definitely someone I'll have uh, my eye on for sure. Any other thoughts on uh, on this matchup before we move on to one that I think we actually do want to watch? Um, I mean, I just think. I mean, do y'all think these? I mean, these unders are these totals are crazy. It's like I mean, it's like, <laughs> like they're all. Like, give. It's. I, I, I mean, I'm not trusting. I think. I would. I would be shocked if Justin Fields plays in this game. Yeah, I he think could the, grip the ball last. Uh, yeah, we, we tried to. So it's 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 a wrap. So I'd probably get on the God, the Raiders are on the road though. We don't know if Jimmy G's gonna play and as know. much as I love Jimmy G, it's not that it's it's not like he's winning games for anybody either, though. Oh God. Last week I took him not to have his first clean game. He threw one within the first first drive, right? <laughs> I know. I was like, Jimmy, I I should I should knock him over. <laughs> You, you stay like that until you throw a clean game. Um, all right, let's talk about leave the man alone. Dragging this guy's in the, well, you know guys in the ER, and Katie's like flicking some his bobblehead. Some of us believed in him when nobody else did last week. And what did he do? He went out there and he threw a pick in the first drive of the game. Jimmy, I, I wish you well. Obviously, I don't. I, would, I hope that you're back as well. But we're just gonna look at you're you're, you're just laying down. Well, you're on the shelf. You're on the shelf, Jimmy. Yeah, Some of us keep believing in Bill Belichick, and you know, you know what? Like, I don't wish him well anymore. Like, I'm over it. Like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not quite there yet, but he's on timeout, as you can see back there. Okay, let's talk about a fun one: the Lions at the Ravens. Ravens laying a field goal, which is what Emery home field advantage. If they were on a neutral site, this game would uh, not have a spread. This total forty was it forty one and a half now? Wow, it was forty three. <sighs> Um, so this total has gone down. Ravens obviously coming off their win in London. You know, Justin Tucker had a rare miss in week five. How did he respond? He made six field goals um, in London in that win over the Titans. But Baltimore is going to need more uh, touchdowns, not just field goals, if they want to win this game. Because it pains me to say it, but the Lions are looking like maybe the best team in the NFC. I mean, the 49ers laid an egg, the Eagles laid an egg. Who have the Lions lost to? The Seahawks, which is another good team in overtime. Um, the Lions are pretty nasty uh, rush defense against the run, so I think it's going to make it hard on the Ravens. I would take the points right now uh, with the Lions, uh, but Emery, what do you think? It's all about when you play a team. And I feel like the Ravens are getting the Lions at the right time because the questions for me in this game comes with their run game and health. Are you going to get Jameer Gibbs back? Are you going to have a healthy David Montgomery? If not, that's a lot to put on Craig Reynolds' shoulder. I'm a big Craig, Craig Reynolds guy uh, coming out of Kutztown. But now you put your offense with Jared Goff in a one-dimensional situation versus a team that can really get after the quarterback and kind of force you into certain throws and force you into bad decisions. So I feel like this is a perfect spot to lay the points with Baltimore until we know more. So if you have the chance, oh, to jump the line will move. Then, right. Exactly. So you got to jump on it now because we need to find out later in the week, how healthy will Montgomery and Gibbs be? Because if not, then we're going to see a one dimensional lines attack versus this pass rush, even though they have a good offensive line along with a Ravens team that's starting to get it offensively. This seems like a, a chance for the Ravens to, to make a statement. I would agree here with Emery here. I think uh, if there's no Montgomery and no, no, no Jameer Gibbs, as good as that Lions offensive line is, as good as their run blocking scheme is, uh, th those misses will be felt heavily. Uh, yeah, not having David Montgomery in the backfield. Uh, he's had a fantastic season, been the engine of that Lions rushing attack that's been so effective. I uh, have been impressed with Goff, but you make him one-dimensional suddenly. I have some big question marks. I think the Baltimore defense, especially in the back end, has been very good as well. So I actually like the Ravens in this spot quite a bit, especially if both those backs aren't able to suit up in this game. And just to double back, we remember that Bucks game. The Bucks had at least four opportunities for deep touchdowns that 
Baker Mayfield overthrew or guys just dropped. So that Lions secondary may be a little bit vulnerable as well. So this could be a game where, the, where Baltimore looks like that team to come out the AFC, um, just like as much as the, the Lions could be that team to come out the NFC. So I, it's a great game, but I feel like this is a good time for Baltimore to play Detroit. So pass yards allowed by the Ravens this season, 196 to the Texans, 216 to the Bengals, 188 to the Colts, 73 to the Browns, 202 oh. to the Steelers, and 104 to the Titans. I think you can look at – you can kind of spin this two ways, right? You could say – the Ravens have been uh, a real problem in terms of pass defense for opponents. You can also say they got C.J. Stroud in his first game, a bum Joe Burrow. Uh, Anthony Richardson got hurt. The back of Dorian Thompson-Robinson for the Browns. Can't he peek it uh, for the Steelers? And then I think he actually got hurt in that game. And then Ryan Tannehill, uh, who also got hurt. So I think the one thing that would be interesting to watch here would is will – because the Bucks made Jared Goff one dimensional, and he threw he threw the ball really well. Um, a ton of Lions fans in Tampa Bay. I'm curious if they show up in Baltimore. Like they might, you know, like oh, they're um, fired up. Yeah, these fans are awesome. They're, dude, they're hungry to win. It's like, like if NC, NC State was undefeated, like in late November. Like we're going to every game because yeah. like this ain't ever happening again. Like the Lions yeah. are five and one. These fans want to go to every one of these games and soak this I up. Um, so I sort of like I, I sort of wonder if. Don't get me wrong, I, t- I tend to like the Ravens here a little bit too, but I think there may be a good look at um, whether it's Jared Goff passing yards props or Amron St. Brown receptions props or even Jameson Williams like longest catch prop where like because they will be one-dimensional more than likely with the running game banged up, even with that good offensive line, people the, 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 the way they build these props are going to look at the Ravens passing yards allowed and like you know, all the all those factors, and probably submerge them a little bit. So there may be a little value on those overs if we can get this into kind of a toss it around sort of game. I love that. Steelers and Rams, because you were hoping for a, another game with a huge total. Oh yeah. <laughs> Steelers at the Rams. Rams minus three, heavily juiced, minus one twenty with a total of forty three and a half. The Steelers coming off their buy. Saw a pretty funny tweet out there. It's like Steelers. Here's how the Steelers buy went. Bengals won. Browns won, Ravens won, Matt Canada didn't get fired. It's like, like it couldn't have gone worse for the Pittsburgh. They had time to rest up, but it couldn't have gone worse for them. Um, the Rams have looked really sharp this season, I, I think. Um, to me, they're a playoff team. Cooper Cup's been awesome. I don't know the yeah. Steelers' defense. If the Rams' offensive line can hold off uh, that pass rush and keep T.J. Watt at bay, then I think the Rams can kind of carve out the secondary. Even the you know, Steelers' defense is very good, but I don't have a whole ton of faith. Kieran Williams got hurt in this game. What do you think? Uh, what do you think Pittsburgh does here, Emory, to try and score points? I mean, it's a pretty big game for Matt Canada. I feel like this game would look a lot like the Cardinals Ram game. Uh, the Cardinals were able to get pressure on uh, Matt Stafford. They was able to make some plays uh, on the back end as well. But their offense kind of sputtered. They had a spark when they started, but now they were just. If you guys know the ref, the rap line, you got you got that reference. But I say this. Totally. I don't trust Kenny Pickett against Aaron Donald and that interior pressure. <laughs> Kenny Pickett's pocket presence is another one. He runs into a lot of sacks and people blame the offensive line. So this game is so tough because Kyron Williams was running his tail off and now who's going to be the back? Who's going to carry the load? Um, you still have a question if he's going to play or not. Uh, defensively, they should be able to get pressure on Pickett, but when you look at the perimeter, you got to like what the Steelers have, but they don't throw balls of those guys because they have Kenny Pickett and I feel like the Rams should win but I will probably stay away I'm not touching this game but I will say the Steelers will definitely have more fans um at SoFi than the Rams this is one of those teams uh or those cities where they have a lot of um I, expat is not the right word ex- transplant transplant from what's the expat what well I said I was gonna say expat but that's transplant expat would be someone that left a country and went somewhere else ah, okay, Pittsburgh okay. is not well I mean they kind of I learned like a new word own. today Katie I didn't know I'd never oh an expat that. yes but they're uh yeah, Bill Belichick's about expat. to be an expat too am I right <laughs> hey that was a good one actually all right, Bill. Yeah. um all right we are going to go to break right now we come back we're talking about an NFC showdown between the Cardinals at the Seahawks this total also we're getting a little bit higher here people stick around 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Pick 6 Podcast. Uh, all right, we're going to look at the Cardinals at Seahawks. Seahawks laying 7.5. Let's see if this line has changed. Nope, still the same. Total is 44.5. Is this the highest total we've seen? More close to it? Maybe. Um, all right. The Cardinals so, come so off. Today? Yeah. Today's the highest. Yeah. Yeah, there's, of, a couple, of seven, of there's a couple seven. There's a couple fifties and a 40. This one was 45. I think it has come down, drifted down a, a half yeah. a point. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's ugly out in these NFL streets it's, this week. Yeah. It's crazy to get excited about 44 and a half. Like, okay, we're going to see, maybe see some offense here. Uh, Cardinals, of course, coming off a tough game against the Rams, falling 26 to nine. Um, but it wasn't the passing game that got them, which is what I was betting on. They really couldn't stop the Rams rushing attack, letting Kyron Williams run uh, pretty much all over them. I think he had 150 yards alone, just him. In the second half, had 150, it, 150 in the second half. It it killed me because I had Matt Stafford over on his passing yards. I think he had 225. It, it sat at 226 forever because uh, they just let Kyron Williams run all over the place. But um, I think that the Seahawks could have beat the Bengals Last week, I think that was a game that got away from them. You know, you look at Geno Smith, he passed for 323 yards. He had two interceptions um, in the loss. Uh, Seattle's O-lined allowed a season high of four different sacks. So that is um, kind of a question mark to me, Emery, when I look at this. Can this can this O-line hold? That's the biggest question, man. And it's hard when you watch uh, Seattle, Katie, and you look at, you know, DJ Brown or DK Brown and and AJ Metcalf. I swear they're the same dude, right? Because they both are big physical receivers. They both tend to loaf on routes, and the quarterback is throwing a deep ball. And oh, I'm gonna get it, and now it's overthrown. So when you have a DK Metcalf or an AJ Brown, you both, went, both went to Ole Miss too, by the way. Both went to Ole Miss. Both did you call them the AJ Metcalf? Because I got real confused by yeah, that. Yeah, AJ Metcalf and yeah. DK Brown. Like because again, you <laughs> switch uniforms, the yeah. same dude. Um, but. I worry about that offensive line versus the Cardinals pressure. And I think this is a, a matchup where that's going to be a question whether or not they can protect Geno Smith. We saw the Bengals be able to, to live in the backfield against Geno Smith. Yeah, they had some success running the football. They could have even more success running the ball. And this is a running back uh, tick for me. If Kenneth Walker can just show a little bit of patience and not be so anxious to run up the back of his lineman, there's so many more yards out there for him to gain. Right. And so, I think that's an issue for their run game because he just he runs a little bit too high, runs into the back of the pads, and then you have the passing game that kind of sputters when the O-line can't pick up and receivers are not running their routes at full speed. So could be a potential trap game again for Seattle, and I one that I would stay away from. All right. Well, props. You tried to warn us on uh, DiMercato. I did. I saw a lot of people uh, spending their entire uh, budgets in fantasy picking him up. Uh, I really think the, the performance he had two weeks ago was a result of him and James Conner being the only two uh, healthy dressed backs for the Cardinals. Not to mention this isn't an offense where I have a lot of confidence in the running game moving forward. Uh, I was on the Rams as a side last week. I just think this Cardinals team has played well above expectations all season. Brinson and I, we both discussed it. I really think they're headed Serious regression candidate here. We saw it last week, or we saw it yesterday against the Rams. I think the Seahawks are a big mismatch for this Cardinals team. Not sure if I'm ready to lay that many points with them, but I definitely think the Seahawks uh, are a much more talented team and will have a lot of success in this matchup. I agree with Emery's take regarding Kenneth Walker. He would certainly benefit. He seems to hunt for the big plays a lot uh, if he was just a little bit more patient there. But I think the Seahawks team will make quick work of this uh 
of this Cardinals team, which I think is overrated at this point. And I think the Seahawks are the rightful large favorite. I, th- I think you probably look at um, this game as a, maybe a teaser leg if you wanted to, but go ahead and get it in now before like, so you could get the, the Seahawks down to minus one and a half at home against Josh Dobbs. The Seahawks team is really good. I mean, they did, you know, just lost a tough game against the Bengals. Um, and then you could pair it with, uh, maybe you make the Jags plus seven on Thursday, but you want to know about Lawrence. I think, I think Lawrence would probably be the Jags are favorite if Lawrence is in, uh, Lions plus nine, um, Colts plus, and you want to do the Colts, you got Minshew Falcons plus eight and a half. Like, you know, just take one of these teams where you, you know, you know, it's going to be like, it's very unlikely to be a blowout between these low, you know, these low school, these low totals, you could tease those up. And I think you get a good look, um, with the Seahawks. Yeah. I'm just sort of off. I think look, Arizona's playing hard. Impressed with Jonathan Gannon, the effort he's getting from these guys, especially considering how like freaking weird his media sessions and like his his hype speeches have been. He's like, "Who rode the bus?" I was like, "Nobody rode the bus." What the hell are you talking about, bro? Um, but I, I think you know the Cinderella story may be coming to a close. Chargers, what's that? I was just saying that I was just adding on to that. The clock struck twelve. Yeah, the ATS, uh, the ATS Cinderella story because really they. They won one game. I mean, like, yeah. they're not good. <laughs> they're still the holding like a top. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Chargers at the Chiefs. Chargers, of course, playing on Monday night football. Um, Chiefs minus six. Chargers get a little bit of juice here over under 50 and a half. I got a pretty simple handicap on this game. Hmm. Take the Chiefs. Yeah. You know how often Chargers players get hurt? All the time. And the yeah. Chargers haven't played this week. Like if Austin Eckler gets, I don't want, obviously don't want this to happen, but Mike Williams, like if, if something happened to Keenan Allen on Monday night football or Austin Eckler, this line would shift and you're getting the chiefs at under a touchdown. The chiefs also played on Thursday. So you're getting a 10 day window with Andy Reid against a divisional opponent, a massive overmatch in terms of Brandon Staley and a, a chiefs team that should be able to move the ball pretty effectively against this defense and a chiefs defense that is playing good football. So uh, I would lean towards the Chiefs. I actually don't even hate that you could, you could use them as a teaser too with the uh, Chargers. Chiefs are sending the Chargers. So give me the Chiefs minus six here. Emery? I'm going under. Uh, anytime you have these high-profile games, it's a marketer's dream. And the marketers tend to drive with this point spread and this total is, oh, we got Patrick Mahomes. They come flashing in. Then you got Justin Herbert. You got the L.A. Chargers in the powder blue uniforms. Arrowhead. And you're like, wait a minute. These teams have really good defenses. The Chargers can get pressure. Chiefs can't really move the ball offensively, but the Chiefs' defense is top-notch. This game is probably going to end up being 24-17, something like that. So definitely take the under here. This is the same thing we saw uh, in week one with the Chiefs and the Lions. Everybody, I think the over-under was like 60 or something silly like that. Like, nah, bro, take the under. And so take the under here while you can catch it at 50 and a half. I would also say to Emery's point, uh, Justin Herbert has one of the lowest average depth of targets of any quarterback in the NFL. Despite having elite arm talent, he just really doesn't take a lot of chances down the field. The offense really hasn't looked the same without Mike Williams, too. Uh, Quentin Johnson, the rookie wide receiver, just not very polished. I don't think he, I think he's a developmental project. I think it's going to be some time until he's a viable outside boundary threat. Another interesting stat I heard about Justin Herbert was he has the least uh, turnover-worthy plays, according to PFF, this season. And they were suggesting it was a detriment, honestly, because a guy with his arm talent should be taking a lot more chances and taking a lot more risks down the field, which he's just not doing. And that's certainly reflected, as I mentioned, in his ADOP there as well. So I think the under is a good look as well. This Chargers uh, offense is just not nearly as explosive as you think it would be uh, when you look at the talent on them. Especially considering you know they got they get rid of Joe Lombardi, you bring in Kellen Moore, you're supposed to be chunking it deep, but then Mike, you lose Mike Williams, and it's like Quentin Johnson hadn't you know like they have they don't have that deep they need that big vertical receiver, um, and he just hasn't been aggressive with with the way that he's passed. Also, like the Chiefs are two and four to the under this year, everyone's just like oh the Chiefs they're gonna throw it around. The one of the overs is the forty-one to ten win over the Bears where they just you know they just had to show off for Taylor Swift, uh, and then I think the other over was the Jets game – was it the Jets game or was it the Vikings game? No, the Vikings game went under, I think. It was the Jets game, yeah. Yeah, the Jets game, which they scored 43 points, right? And, like, the Jets magically conjured, like, some kind of nonsense. So, so really, it's like, is Taylor Swift going to be in Kansas City for the Chargers game? Because the over is uh, 
Over two and one with Taylor Swift in attendance. If that matters. I forgot the Taylor Swift thing. Yeah, throw that in the open too, like the Swift and the Chargers and the it, yeah. yeah. It going, sounds flashy and explosive. It's exciting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thirteen seven. Yeah, what what broadcast is is this game on? Because uh, it's got to be CBS. Because she's trying. Yeah, she's she's going to all the different broadcasts. Right. That was something we were chatting. There is about. there is that conspiracy. There is that theory. It's like yeah. The it's NFL, like yeah. like like well no we're like we're like hey look uh come you to did CBS. football. You did Sunday Night Football, and you mm -hmm. did that Fox game. And yep. now you're going to do a CBS. Like, like that the Nance, most Nance, network. What's that? The most watched network. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, look, if you're going to give love to are, some yeah. network, give love to our network. Come on over to CBS. So hopefully, you know, she attends one of the – I will say, it. like, I'm curious to see what happens tonight in the game with the Chargers and the Cowboys. Because let's say the Chargers come out, which I don't think so. I mean, I think the, the Cowboys – This, game, this game is on CBS and almost like – a stone cold lock to be the Nance Romo. I'm about to say Romo got oh, bro. The the tease for this broadcast mm -hmm. may be four minutes long because the <laughs> last Chief CBS game she actually skipped out on that one because I remember when Nance said that thing about he yeah, was yeah, like, yeah, that's right, was, yeah. She was questionable, didn't turn up as an inactive until today. It was like a funny little thing. So come on, Taylor, come on over. But um, I think it. I think this line may move a little bit. Let's say the Chargers come out and kill the Cowboys, which I don't necessarily think is going to happen. But let's say that does happen. Then I agree with, uh, you know, maybe you could wait. To, but the one thing I will, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm going off on a bunch of different tangents right now. But the one thing well, I will say about the Chargers. Like yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> Hello. Uh, is that they tend to play up to the Chiefs, right? I mean, you look at um, Justin Herbert and, versus Patrick Mahomes, you know, Justin Herbert has got the best of Patrick Mahomes more times um, than not. I, I might mess around and take like a Chargers first half and a Chiefs second half, like a double result here. Cause I could see the Chargers coming out strong, maybe winning the first half and then falling apart in the second half, which is exactly uh, what they do. I don't know what those odds are for the double result, but could be a little bit frisky. All right. So, uh, second half, second half, Andy Reid, second half unders. If he's got a lead, man, he will run the crap out of the ball and they just won't get a ton of points. So look for that too if it's a low scoring game or if the Chiefs have like a double digit lead, double digit lead at halftime. All right, so those are some things to look forward to in that matchup. And now we're going to talk about the Packers at the Broncos. Uh, Packers laying one and a half. Yep, it's still there. This total is now 45. I read an article today from the uh, Mile High Report that said the Denver Broncos just don't know how to win games, and it seems like their player culture embraces the suck. And, uh, yeah, it does seem like they are embracing the suck. Russell Wilson struggled against the Chiefs. He went 13 of 22, 95 yards with a touchdown and two interceptions. Uh, but then you look at the the Packers here on a two-game losing streak. Jordan Love has thrown for eight touchdowns and six interceptions. He has just a 55% completion rate um, in that last game. But the Packers are coming off of a bye. I don't want anything to do with this game. I don't like betting on the Broncos, and the Packers have not shown me too much to believe in. Emery, anything that you're we should keep an eye on for this game? Yeah, if you followed me long enough on Twitter or X, um, you've seen my disdain for running into the boundary or short side toss plays anything that doesn't give you a chance to be successful there was one play in uh, particular last week uh, that we watched against the, the chiefs where it was fourth and one they're going for it you sprint russell wilson out off of play action to the short side of the field you have a layered route high low both guys run into the boundary they were both blanketed who's where where, where is he supposed to go with the ball like and then he tried to tuck it and run. Of course, the entire team and the sideline is right there. Just yeah. help them get out of like this was the dumbest play call I'd ever yeah. seen. So for me, Sean Payton has to figure out a way to, to get back into a groove, into a rhythm. And and we've seen this all throughout the Broncos season. Outside of the scripted 15 plays, the offense just seems out of sync. And a lot of it is doing the play calling and okay, who do we get the play ball? calling's been terrible. It's been yeah. terrible. So, right, because it hasn't really been Russell. Defense has played solid ball the last two games. The play calling has just been ineffective. So, but then on the other side, you don't know what you're going to get from Jordan Love um, in his pocket presence in terms of like, you got to calm your feet down, man. Like, you keep throwing fadeaways like it's basketball season. Like, set your feet in the pocket and step into a throw. I don't know. Did you guys see that clip last week where it's like, um, 
Sean Payton, like when he was on Colin Coward, when he was, you know, when he won coaching and he was like talking about Caleb Williams, he's like, I'm just telling you, they are going to alter the way they do the NFL draft order. They're going to have to go to a lottery because of this kid. He's like, because people are going to be tanking their faces off to get this guy. And then he watched him. Oh. And it's like, it's like you're running your offense awfully slowly down 19 <laughs> yeah. to like eight against the Chiefs here, buddy. Um, I mean, they beat the Bears by three in that crazy comeback. They could easily be 0-6. They get the Packers at home, then the Chiefs at home, a bye at Buffalo, Minnesota and Cleveland at home. And then I think it's a bunch of road games like Texans, Chargers, uh, Lions. They still have to play the Raiders on the road. I, I mean, I wouldn't rule out that Sean Payton is fine losing football games. Um, I think we probably see some points in this because neither defense is that great. Uh, so but, over 45. Yeah, maybe because I think I think everyone's gonna look at these totals and be like, oh, that one's a, that one's the kind of a high one. Like that one's going under. Like yeah. this is the game that maybe goes over. I, I, I don't just know. Feel I, like I, what, whenever you bet on the Broncos, you don't feel good about it. Whether they win or they lose, it's like yeah. you. That's not a. That's not like. Thank you. Please take my hard earned money. Like that's just not. I don't want anything to do with them. Case in point: Last week we took Broncos plus ten and a half on HQ pregame uh, show, and me and B Mac was just sitting there like. Bro, I know they're not gonna miss this. Make oh God! Go eleven. Like you gotta be kidding me, right? So yeah, you're right. You don't feel good betting on the Broncos. Yeah, nah. either whether you're backing them or fading them, because you just don't really know what's gonna happen. So stay away from me. Prop, you got any props for this one? Uh, I got my eye on Christian Watson running a full complement of routes. Uh, Broncos defense being very susceptible to speed, especially in uh, the back end. So definitely think he could get behind their defense potentially. Uh, and I think uh, the the Packers could really use Aaron Jones back healthy. Hopefully, the extra rest uh, has him close to 100%. Surprise and active last week, but yeah, I'd like to see him back in that backfield. Uh, kind of give them a little bit more pop and some uh, Jones yeah, could, but explosiveness. Well, I think people um, people were kind of mad about the Jones thing, where it's like he didn't get any um, snaps against uh, against the Raiders. Or was it against the Lions? It was against the Lions. I mean, he was out last week. Didn't get people like be like, oh, he was fully back against the Lions. He didn't get any snaps. It's like they were getting blown out. Like they yeah. yanked him off the field and just played AJ Dillon because they didn't want to risk him getting hurt. I think this is a get right spot for Aaron Jones against a historically bad rushing defense where like they don't want to risk Jordan Love doing a bunch of stuff and Aaron Jones could get go nuclear. I, I'll be playing a lot of Aaron Jones at DFS and take okay. the L on the chin in case it backfires. All right. Speaking of. Good rushing offenses. And finally, a total worth totaling about. The <laughs> Dolphins at the Eagles. 52 and a half. What is that? Five in front of that number. I've never seen, seen that all day. Um, Eagles minus two and a half. A little juice on the Dolphins side. I think with FanDuel, uh, it's, hard to, like, it's hard to read too much into the juice there because it's like minus 106 and minus 114. Um, both teams are five and one. Dolphins are five and one against the spread. I look, I, I gotta be honest. I mean, I don't know why the Eagles are favored here. I'll go ahead and say that. Yeah, I, I, I really, I really don't think people, I mean, I, maybe it's a pick them. I'm with you though. Like, I don't think the Dolphins should be getting a, like, almost close to a field goal. Like, Lane Johnson matters. And Lane Johnson is, uh, I believe it was reported by Mike Garofalo that it's a uh, high ankle sprain. As Ian Rapp, Rappaport noted, you don't, you can never rule out Lane Johnson. He's a beast. Dude could play, he can play through anything. But if you're five and one and your superstar right tackle is banged up, you're probably going to err on the side of caution here, I would think. And so for me, I am probably trying to think what the, I was trying to see what the, when is their, when's their buy? So I would just wonder if they would be interested in, like, like do, do the Eagles, the Eagles have Dolphins, Washington, Dallas, and then a buy before the Chiefs and Bills. Like, that's it's a stretch getting, for the tough. Eagles now. Yeah. It's getting tough. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that they'll probably want to be cautious with Lane Johnson. Uh, I love the Dolphins here. Sunday Night Football. Yeah, this feels closer to a pick to me, too. I would grab the points with the Dolphins. But let's, let's ask our Eagles fan. How do you feel about this game? Yeah, Jalen Carter also banged up. I think his uh, massive loss. I don't know if Bryce uh, – Brees Hall, excuse me, is going rushing that touchdown uh, towards the end of the game. Uh, if Jalen Carter's in the middle of that Eagles defense. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, Emery talked about it earlier, playing a team at the right time. I think this might be one of those right times for Miami. 
against the Eagles, who are definitely banged up, uh, depleted uh, on both sides of the football. Injuries starting to pile up there for them. Uh, Darius Slay was also out last week, so that's that'll be a big uh, boost to Miami's passing game if he misses this game as well. So, yeah, just a lot of injuries piling up for the Eagles. Uh, so it could be a good spot for the Dolphins, I agree. Yeah, for me, it's, it's about the Eagles having the luxury of being able to play any type of game. In this game, they're going to have to play. It's going to have to be, hey, we're going to run the ball to shrink the ball game, but also keep the Dolphins' offense on off the field. And that's when we ease a right tackle um, into action, uh, you know, that's not Lane Johnson by putting a tight end on this side and y'all both combo to the second level and run the ball. And they can do that. Um, but also defensively, you know, you just got to make sure it, it's, it's hard because they're super fast. Your angles have to be precise, and it's easier said than done uh, when you're dealing with these speedsters that they have, even in the run game. So this is going to be a fascinating game. I do think we have the potential to go under here, um, but I think the Eagles will be in charge of that for how they are able to set the pace, set the tempo, sl- shrink the ball game, and slow it down. Um, and if you know your wire, they have the better matchups at wide receiver versus uh, if they want to go deep. I'm, you know, the, the Dolphins do have a lot of speed. Hill was a little bit banged up, um, but you still have two number ones. But you got to figure if AJ Brown wants to be out there. And I couldn't be a GM because as soon as I see somebody loafing at receiver, I'm all in on going. There'll get. be no AJ Brown later on this podcast, sir. I, I was going to say I got to back up my boy here, Emery. AJ Brown has four consecutive 125 yard receiving games. So if, he's, if, if he's loafing, I'll, I'll, I'll be a loafer to do. Can I have that kind of opportunity? <laughs> He's just, every he's, just str- he's just strutting around like a grown ass man. That's what he's doing. <laughs> I'm just going to get every option receiver and every, and, and we're just going to run the ball and get those guys that are just thankful to be out there. Cause you know, I need you to be hustling on that deep ball was, was could have changed the game against the jets. Had he just ran through the route. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, he, he, he and Devonte Devonta Smith. I mean, like didn't oh, do Jalen, drop, Jalen Hurts. Oh, dude, that drop was a touchdown. Didn't do Jalen Hurts any favors in that game for sure. Well, Jalen Hurts didn't do a lot of favors for himself either um, in that game. But interesting point. I'm just looking at the team totals because, you know, I like to bet team totals. So Eagles team total, it, the line is set at 27 and a half. Dolphins, 25 and a half. All right. So there's your spread right there, two and a half. But if you if you look at what's juiced, the um, the Eagles team total at 27 and a half, that under is juiced to minus 120. And the Dolphins at 25 and a half, that over is juiced to minus 116. So it seems like a little bit of uh, some trickery there. I think I mean I think it's gonna just tough. Like the Eagles are five and one. They're at home. It's primetime football. The Lane Johnson thing might not be factored in completely. Um, and you know, they lose to the Jets. You're expecting kind of a bounce back. The Dolphins, you know, I like I, I think it's probably a situation where they're not gonna make the Dolphins favorites on the road in Philadelphia, but there's they, they, probably they plenty of people who think the Dolphins will go to Philly and win. Worth just at least looking at the Really What's the weather like? Yeah, it's South Florida boys. Going, it's, it, I don't think it's supposed to be as brisk this weekend um, in this area. It so. uh, looks like some wind. Not, not. I mean, 10, 12 mile an hour wind, 61 degrees in Philly. So it'd probably be. Oh, uh, they're fine. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, high 50s won't be bad. That's not too bad. And they, they played well in like questionable weather spots last year too under Mike Redeem. All right. Um, I didn't realize we were over our time here, people. So I'm going to go ahead and take us out. Thank you so much for joining us. And make sure you join us all week long for more NFL coverage. Tomorrow, Brinson, Breach, and Wilson are joined by Pete Prisco to break down his weekly power rankings on CBSSports.com. One last reminder to show us some love with a like, comment, and hit subscribe on the YouTube page. If you're listening to the audio version only, do the same. Download, follow, leave a five-star review. Tell your friends to listen listen, and watch the pod. And uh, we'll see you Tuesday.